1: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk.
0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Joining me this week is our podcast regular, Jack Ball. Hiya, Jack. Good morning, good afternoon, even. It is, yeah, good afternoon this week. Um, And with Chris Errington away, I've frantically been scouring the free agent market to make up the numbers. (laughs) Seeking an experienced, versatile, no nonsense pundit that is not scared to get stuck into the real talking points. So, a very warm welcome to Danny Salmon.
2: Oh, that's great. Interesting. Thank you. Yes, good afternoon to you as well, Steve. And thank you've
1: managed to well. commit to come all the way from
2: Thailand. I have, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah the, the airfare costs a few quid, but. Uh, the, the Herald can afford it. Well. <laughs> well, Danny, it's fantastic to see you here. Thank you, thank you. And um, congratulations on becoming a grandfather. Thank you very much, yes. How are things out in Thailand?
2: Great, uh, it's warm, it's sunny, it's... Right, let's move on.
0: <laughs> so,
2: Everything yeah.
1: Pimoth's not. Everything, yeah.
2: every, every, this country isn't,
0: yeah. So. <laughs> well, you're back in the country for, for a, a short period anyway, and um, you took it upon yourself to go to the game on Saturday. Against I did. Late yeah. Um Orient. Carlisle. Carlisle.
2: Carlisle, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indeed it was Carlisle. Orient
0: is coming up tomorrow, of course. Um, what, what did you make in a the game then, Danny?
2: Um... It wasn't. It was a disappointing game. I've got to say, I, um, there wasn't really um, a lot to the game. There wasn't. It was very bitty. I, you know, there was no consistency in the game, um, which was unfortunate. There were there were moments that, of good play. Um, we played a poor side. I felt Carlisle were very poor, and I think that we were fortunate that we actually played Carlisle when we did because uh, there were times when um, a better team probably would have found us out. Um, so you know. To get a 2-0 win when you're not playing well, you've got to accept that and take that and move, move on. I mean, I know that there's, uh, we've got one or two injuries um, to, to key players, but uh, you know, overall it was a disappointing performance um, as a game, but um, you know, a, a good three points. Jack, we spoke on the podcast
0: last week and I said to you, do Argyle really need to get a win in front of the Home mm-hmm. Park fans? They got it.
1: Yeah, and we said about how the point at Swindon would be a good point if they could follow that follow that up with a win, and they did that. Ironically, it's one of the games I think they, they one of the games where they've not played so well, and they managed to get the three points. Mm. They played some really good football at times this season, and not been able to get either one point or three points, but they did. That's a second win in nine now, I think, um, and it means they're unbeaten in four. Danny's right; it wasn't the greatest of games at all. I think Carlisle were one of the worst teams I've seen for a very long time. You know, I was looking at some of the comments after the game from Carlisle fans just because I'm interested in what they're making of it. Because, you know, when, yeah. when you only mm-hmm. see them once, you don't know whether that's just an off day or whether they've been performing like that a lot because they are down near the bottom end of the table. And I think there's a lot of pressure seems to be creeping up on Presley. They were one of the worst sides I've seen this season and they could be thankful that only one team get relegated this year because mm-hmm. they were that bad. Mm-hmm. It's that bad week in, week out, they're, they're going to struggle. But... You can only play who's in front of you, and yeah. our goal played played okay. It was stop-start, but they did what they needed to do to win. Some of the players that needed to step up did step up. Um, Cooper came in and did well. Towards the end of the game, a few of them, including Joel Grant, Cooper looked, looked knackered, looked dead on their feet, didn't they? But they ground out the win, and luckily, it's half of it got that late goal, because we've seen it a few times this season where teams get late equalizers, and it just kills the mood. I can't remember what the game was. It finished 2-2 a few weeks before. Um, But that was a late goal, so it was good This or that, and for two minutes at the end we could relax. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, what was the tension like inside the stadium going into the
1: last sort of ten minutes or so? At half-time, Carlisle definitely had a shot on target, and then in the first couple of minutes they hit the crossbar twice, and you thought, how has this happened? You know, they had not had a single shot, and a little bit more luck, and they could have gone 2-1 up, but... Thankfully, they didn't score, and it, the game went on. And, and yeah, it, w- it was getting nervy in the last ten minutes. They were forcing some corners, weren't they? Some yeah. set pieces, and
2: well, we were sitting in a, with with the fans, and you could visibly hear the tension um, and the comments that were being made. And you know, we had somebody that was moaning all through the game. <laughs> um, so uh, it, they do get a little bit uh, tense, and, and obviously, our uh, goal uh, quite a few games have conceded late, and I think that the t- you know supporters get worried about that as well. So I understand it. Um, but, you know, if we got, didn't get three points against Carlisle, then that uh, uh, would worry me mm. because they were a poor side. So I'm just grateful that uh, I've, I've travelled a long way and I've seen a win at least. And a couple of and, goals uh, as well. Yeah, so, and Sarsovic's goal was a, was a terrific goal, so uh, it finished the game off well.
0: Yeah, you've seen a couple of games on iPlayer, I, I
2: yeah. believe, as well. What, what have you made of um, Argyle under Ryan well, I understand Ryan Low Ryan wants to play a certain way, um, and you know he, he's got a, a, a fixed plan in his head, and I get that. I think defensively, I still think we're struggling. I don't think we've got enough pace there. I don't think, I just don't think we're good enough at the back personally. I really don't. I don't think there's any consistency back there. Um, our distribution is not what it should be, um, and our we lack the pace. And now I think that any any movement and any good quality. Um, players that play against them they're going to find it tough and I, and I think that he showed in the games that I was watching. Um, I think we've got some really good neat and tidy players in midfield, you know Joe Edwards and, and obviously Danny Mayer. Uh, I thought Cooper when he you know I saw him for the first time Saturday and I thought he was a useful player. So he's a bit lightweight but got good feet and uh, he, I thought he played particularly well in the first half and um, tried to make things happen which was good. Um, I was a bit disappointed with Fesnina on the left in this particular game. I know he has to do a lot of defending. Mm. Um, but generally, I, I think we, we need to be better in the final third going forward and I think we need to be better at the back. And So there's a lot of work to be done still. Um, and, and just one thing to mention um, uh, is that sometimes I understand that managers want to play the way they want to play. And you're okay if you can buy those players like top managers play big players and they play a certain way and they buy players to play the way they want to play. The lower leagues don't have that luxury and if you've got a particular way of playing and the players that you want are not there or they're injured or you haven't brought them in, then you have to adapt. You can't just be, you know, uh, carte blanche and just do what you feel is right and just say, no, this is the way we're going to do it and that's it. Because if it's not working and the players that you've got can't play the way you want to play, you've got to adapt and you've got to try a different thing until you bring the players that you want to play the way you want. So I think sometimes, you know, you have to adapt. And if we've got to play Ryan Taylor up front, you've got to change the system to suit him. Otherwise, you're going to sort of, you know, bite your nose off to spite your face. And I think that at times that might be happening at this moment in time. I do think Ryan Lowe is a good manager. I think he's got great attributes. But I think sometimes you've got to be a little bit more adaptable.
0: I think that's, that's, that's a fair comment, actually, because it, it is something that's been discussed by Argyle fans, isn't mm-hmm. it, Jack? Whether <clears throat> Ryan Lowe needs to adapt more to the players that he's inherited rather than the players inheriting to
1: his style and his philosophy of football. The problem you've got is when we spoke about it in last week's podcast, so I won't go over it too much, is you've got two halves. You've got half of his, yeah. the players he's brought in and he doesn't want them to play in a formation that he doesn't want to play going forward and you've got the Derek Adams half that possibly can't play in that way. So you've got to find some common ground because there's no point in playing a system for now, but then in January you want to start playing when you bring some more players in and you want to play this new system and then they're trying to catch up then. I think they're currently eight from the table. They're doing okay. There's a lot to be worked on, but I still argue, which I argued last week, that they still haven't put out their their strongest team this season. Injuries and fitness has been a problem. And I think, you know, possibly you get Williamson in for Scott Wooten, um, you get Telford in, for, for one of the strikers possibly and Danny Mayer somehow fit in, fits in there as well maybe Cooper goes to left wing back or right wing back you start getting your strongest team and maybe things will develop and that system will come, you know, flourish a little bit more things take time I, I, they won ugly on Saturday and it was refreshing to see them be able to do that
2: but I, I think you're right the problem you've got with that, that is that if you haven't got those players that you they're not available Danny Mayer's not available one or two others are not. Might not, be, might not be playing well whatever it is and you sit down and you say, right, well, I'm still going to play that way. Irrelevant, we can't play it because the players ain't there, but I'm still going to play. You can't do that in the lower leagues. And players can adapt pretty quickly. You know, I've played for 20 years in all four leagues. And, and that, it doesn't take me long to change the way I... If, a player, if, if I play right back in a four or I play in a, as a wingback, it doesn't take me two minutes to, to adjust to that. As a professional footballer, you just say, right, I can gamble a bit more going forward, I've got a bit of protection at the back, or my my left fullback attacks, I'm going to tuck in and and support my defenders. And, um, you know, if you haven't got the players to play the way you want to play, and it's not going well, then you look at the best you can get out of the players that you've actually got available. Look at what their attributes are and play to their strengths until you get the players that you want to play the system that you want. Mm. it's as simple as that and if you don't do that you're going to go sometimes win sometimes lose sometimes draw and then you're going to be a mediocre side mm.
0: well I, I think there's no doubt that um ryan lowe certainly in the process of uh radical overhaul really of this this mm. goal squad. and we saw another signing announced on the day of the game jack billy clark came in 31 year old striker i'm not sure if anyone knew but according to soccer base that was his 400th appearance for oh, really? in football on saturday yeah so uh 77 goals in 400 games. He only made a sort of cameo appearance. What
1: did you, what were your first impressions? It's an interesting one. I've, I think I've said a few times on the podcast, I feel like Argo need an extra striker. I don't think Ryan Taylor is up to the job, sadly. Uh, Lolos, God knows what's happened there. He, you know, he, Ryan Lowe said, pre season, if you score goals, you'll get into the team. He scored some goals. He's been on the bench. You know, he came out and told Chris that he needs to do better. So I can only guess that that's in training because he's not been playing in matches. Um, So, so obviously he's not up to standard. Alex Fletcher, I don't think is ever going to make it. Argyle, sadly, um, I just don't think he's 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 good enough. Um, So, I I do think they needed someone, and you know, there's not many strikers. One, you've got a limited pool of strikers you can get. Two, they've got to fit in with finance. I know there are a few strikers knocking around, and Gary Hooper, Gary Hooper, (laughs) (laughs) that that demand very big wages that Argyle sadly can get nowhere near. Um, So, I don't think it harms to have an experienced. Body that's been around the leagues. It's got an okay goal-scoring record that can come off the bench and maybe make an impact. I'm not sure he'll be a starter, but that is up to him to try and push that push that way. But in the past few games, when you've got like Ryan Taylor possibly coming in off the bench, there's no impact. You need some right. player that can come on, and that's why I think he will uh, be a good addition. Yeah, Did you, were you impressed with him? Uh, uh, yeah, that? I
2: thought he came on and he was very neat and very tidy. I don't think he gave the ball away once when he was on. I think he had um, a contribution to the second goal, if I remember rightly. He got the ball on the right hand side and and ha- had an impact. I thought we did okay. I'm, I'm not sure what his position is though. Whether is he a number ten um, or is he uh, a forward with another forward? I'm not sure. Um, but you know he's an experienced player, and if he's an added player, while we've got a few problems. Up front, I think um, he's a good um, addition to the squad. And
1: also, it's, it's sort
2: of relatively. Um, what's the word?
1: If he's only on a short contract till January. There's not much harm that can happen if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out. So, you know,
2: I think he did enough in that in, in the sort of 10-15 minutes that he yeah. came on to say that you know he, he's, he's still a useful player to have around, definitely. And you need players that can push the starters. Yeah. And, and if Ryan
1: yeah. Taylor and Claudio Dolos aren't doing that, then you need someone that is to get the best out of them. Yeah,
0: especially with the injuries Argyle are having as well, they, yeah. they sort of need the strength and depth, don't they? Um, on to Leighton Orient then, um, Jessica Wigginton, do we start against Leighton Orient with Danny Mayer on the bench? Of course, Danny Mayer was suspended on Saturday, Argyle have won, kept a clean sheet. Um, Simon Taylor says yes and keep him there, Lee Smith, really? I personally think if he played on Saturday, he would have ripped Carlisle apart because he's a great player. And uh, Nick Tomlinson, friend of the show, of course, with Argyle winning and keeping a clean sheet on Saturday, is there a strong case to use the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it? Uh, so, uh, the question to you guys, same team I, I, or not? I
2: will tell you this now, after watching Argyle, if, if we, are, we are in playing in the fourth tier of football and you cannot afford not to play players like Danny Mare because, one, I think he has got a lot of quality, um, but I also think that there were times when I, I liked, actually, Joe Edwards, but too often we went backwards and sideways. The only person that looked to go forward and try and make things happen was, was Cooper, George Cooper. And I think Danny Mayer, um, and I think that uh, who, who you said that he would have torn Carlisle apart, I think, uh, I think he was right because I think there was a lot of opportunities for us to have that drive going from middle to forward. Into those gaps, and I think that he would have been perfect for it. So, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be playing um, the next two games obviously, you've got Leighton Orient and then obviously Exeter on Saturday. You've got to give him a start against Leighton Orient and ready for the Exeter game, personally. I think that uh, I don't think it's a no brainer. I think you've got to play. Who's he come in for? Well, I don't know. I, th- I thought both Joe Riley and, and Cooper played well, um, but not Joe Riley, sorry, Joe Edwards. Um, and, and Sarsovic scored a terrific goal but you, you've got to m- maybe Joe Riley will have to, to make way because he was, he's a central player and if you're going to play that system and I thought uh, George Cooper did really well I thought that uh, even though I thought he tired in the second half his first half performance and, and his wanting to get forward wanting to make things happen um, which is what you need at the moment so I think well, probably you know, Joe Edwards might be the one to make way for him
0: no, I suppose Edwards could move to right wing back if if you wanted to make a change there as well. So, it's it's Jack, tough time, but to, I
1: think Cooper and Sarsavic were two of the better players on Saturday, along with yeah. Joel, Joel Grant. So the problem is if you bring him in, where, where do you place him? As you just mentioned, possibly one option is to move Cooper onto left wing back because McFadden's not had a very good what? few games. Cooper played came on against Wyndham and left wing back and contributed, and then Sarsavic can play alongside, um, alongside him there. But the I think th- I
2: think you're right, Jack. I think Dean to come off, you put Cooper on the left hand side, and you stick Danny Mayo and Joe Riley, uh, Joe, Joe Edwards. Too many Jones. There's too many Joes going on. Yeah. The,
1: the problem you've got, though, which you know, possibly one of the reasons Argyle managed to get a win on Saturday is because the opposition didn't know who to mark necessarily as well. When when um, who are we talking about? Danny. Danny tell <laughs> <laughs> them. When when Danny Mayer's got the ball, he's been marked by two or three players and somehow despite that Argyle still can't find the space. Um
2: so perhaps But that it- doesn't that, that, that doesn't give you any reason not to play when your best player. No. Just because people know how that they're gonna to have to mark you. Of course, he's got to be good enough and the team's got to be good enough for him to find space and for the team if if they wanna put three players on uh, Danny Mayer then there's gonna be people gaps somewhere else
1: and that's what they need to make advantage and, of and, and that's what you have got to do so
2: that, that would not worry me at all you know if he's available at this moment in time you know if he's going to prove to the Argyle fans that he is uh, the playmaker and, and the star of, of our team then you've got to play him and
1: also it depends on you know we said George Cooper was dead on his leg towards the end of the game maybe three player, games, in games in a week, in a week is yeah, too much exactly. But I think if everyone is fit and ready to go, I think for me it'd be McFadden that would make way. Yeah. Cooper would go onto left wing back, and um, Mayo would play with Sarsa. They can. See, it's interesting
0: to say that because we've spoken on the podcast before about that link up down the left hand side of McFadden and yeah and Maya May not forget his name Something <laughs> <laughs> in the air, I think. Um, yeah, and, and the good combination play down that left hand side. So.
1: The problem is McFadden's had a few games now where he's not played particularly well and he was he was a, a firework in the first few weeks of the season and perhaps he's been a victim of his own fast start to the season possibly but his passing's not been particularly great his, his choices on the ball have not been particularly good and yes... Danny Mayer wasn't there for him to link up with on Saturday, but he was the previous week, and it didn't make much difference. So, if you're asking me which pair merit Merritt deserves to be dropped, it probably is him over Cooper and Saturday. But I do worry that Cooper, just three games in a week, might be too much for him.
0: Yeah, well, let's move on to the back three as well. We spoke about it briefly earlier in the podcast. Um, it still chops and changes a lot. Lee Newson says, Who do you think is our strongest back three? There's lots of chopping and changing. Uh, there's been lots of chopping and changing, and they can't seem to get a consistent back three. Brian G. Woodward says get Ameson in and Wooten out. That would be my suggestion.
1: I I would agree with that. I sadly just don't think Scott Wooten's good enough. His distribution was shockingly poor on Saturday, and I'm talking about passes that are unforgivable on a Sunday league field. You know, you just you're just trying to pass it ten yards to a player, and it goes off out for a throw, and it's it's unacceptably unacceptably bad. And I don't think he's necessarily an awful player. I just don't think he fits the system particularly well. Now, Canavan made way earlier in the season and he's had to bide his time. He came in on Saturday and airily he was was quite good. Argov lacked that somewhat this season. We talked about the amount of crosses coming into the box and Argov lose their their man and they end up conceding through a header. Canavan was quite good in that role. So, for me, it would be a case of uh, what what's been suggested there, that Ameson comes in and Wooten goes out.
0: Alongside... Sawyer so yeah, and yeah.
1: Canavan at the moment. I think he did well enough on Saturday to, to merit his place. That being said, you know, <laughs> a few weeks ago, a month ago, I said that I'm surprised Josh Cran wasn't yeah. playing, then he, then he got picked and he wasn't quite good enough. You need a run of games. But what I would say to in terms of the chops and the changes, they're not all his players. You can't bring in 20 players when there are so many under contract. That's just the way it's going to be until January, possibly until next summer, because I think Canavan and um, Wooten are both under contract until the summer. And are there going to be clubs that are, one, willing to pay enough wages that they want? You know, because after League Two, you get down to the National League, don't you? And if someone's yeah. not good enough to play in the League Two, are they going to drop down and still on the same amount of money? So they might have to either pay them off, which Argo have done a lot recently, and Simon Hallett might be a bit reluctant to do that again, or you have to wait until the summer and therefore you can't afford to bring players in. So it'll be an interesting mix. But again, everything seems to come back to this two halves of teams at the moment.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm really disappointed with some of the players' decision-making. Um, yes, I think Wooten was poor. Um, his decision-making was poor, his, his execution was poor. And I sometimes wonder, I mean, these are professional footballers and I, you don't want to overly criticise them because I've been there and I, I know how difficult it is. But simple little things of making a decision um, that you either, you know, right, I've got the ball, I'm not under pressure, I'll give it simple. And then, you you know, the player tries to find a difficult pass when the simple ball is on, he gives it away, and now they're under pressure. And it happens too often. And, and I think that, you know, that's just a lack of ability more than anything else. And I think that that has to be sorted out really quickly in January. I think that we need to make sure that that back three or back four gets a lot stronger. We need pace back there. We haven't got any pace there either and I think that uh, that's another area that we've got to look at. I thought Canavan did well in the year, yes I do, but in the past, last season when I, I mean I've watched all the games obviously previous to this, um, and any quick mobile players we always struggled and that's why we conceded so many goals in Adams' last season um, and the season before because these players are just not quick enough and not mobile enough and I think we need to address that. Um, And and I think that that's his number one thought come January. I think he should be thinking about bringing at least two extra defenders into that side that are going to help um, the rest of the side going forward. Um, I still think we need to sort out somebody up front that can score goals the problem with that obviously is you bring two
1: in I just don't know whether they can do that on the budget because they they're well, not that, seven, that's, seven, that's, seven centre but, but that's
2: something that's always been difficult at this level and this is where I said um, last season I wrote about it and I said it's great having a great stadium but if you have a mediocre team playing in a lovely stadium the supporters will not turn up and you've got to find a budget to help that manager go through now I know that I think Jack will be speaking about maybe once, you know, or it was Andy, Andy Bacon said that, uh, you know, the, the money that's going to be generated from the new corporate boxes and all that will, well, I hope it does. But you cannot neglect your football team and just think about the stadium. And you so, can't do it the other way either. To, to be fair,
1: what I would say in defence of that is they got rid of Derek Adams and paid up his contract, Simon Haller. He paid £150,000 to bring in Ryan Lowe and his backroom staff. Well, that's his what I'm saying. So they are putting money into the playing side of things and they are bringing some decent players in. Danny Mayer's not going to be on a short wage that is going to happen they're not going to start spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on players I'm, 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 i but didn't say they should no 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 but what i mean is i don't i don't think it's all gone to the stadium and none's gone to the team i think they are finding quite a decent balance at the moment but you're always going to have this period of time i think when a new manager comes in where it does take time to get to they get had the session.
2: opportunity they had the opportunity um when adams got promotion and we had that lovely run with liverpool and we had Purrington and we had the money from nelson and there was quite a bit of money coming into the club yeah And I think that I said at the time that I would, if you trusted your manager and he's just got your promotion, why don't you give him a little bit more money and say, look, you know, you've done really well, here's some money. Money that we didn't know we were going to get. Um, I just sometimes think we we look too, we're just sometimes too blinkered. And I think that we've got to have more of a balance. And I think if we want to be successful and we want the supporters to really think that we're moving forward with trying to make that football team into a championship side again, I don't think we've done enough to help the managers. But that's my personal opinion. You can, you can people can talk to me about the stadium and about the debts and about all this, but when we've had the opportunity, I just don't think we've, we've, we've done enough.
1: But hopefully now some it's come on board. Hopefully going forward that that, that, that hope will change. changing. Well, so James be... Brent was in charge before. Mm. Hopefully that will be the way going forward. But also you've got to look at Ryan Lowe. who's just come from a club that spent money they didn't have, and look where they are now. It's a, it's a fine balance. It is a fine that, balance. That being said, Danny's right. The team needs investment, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And also you have to remember the maize flower
0: stand's not been been built yet. You know, so that money will be coming into the club. Mm. It's you know it's still too early to talk about mm. investing that money when. Yeah, hasn't it hasn't come in through and the And Also, board, you know, so Argyle's still eighth place, there's still a long way to go. season, it's certainly not been a bad season by any means. Um, one final point on the Orient game then. Um Carl Fletcher's coming back. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's a guy that all Argyle fans will have a great affinity for given you know he was in charge of the club at a really, really difficult time. Nice to see him back in management and given a second crack at the job, really. Yeah,
1: I, I, it'd be nice to see him back at home park. I think he'll get a very good reaction from however many fans are there. Um, he was in charge of probably the most difficult time possibly ever I've, since I've been following them since the early 2000s for sure. Um, he, you know, he gained a lot of respect from a lot of people, I think nationally even, when he came out and did that interview after he'd been sacked. I remember, I wasn't there, I was, I was only about 15 at the time, so I, I remember watching the clip, you know, there were tears in his eyes and he didn't have to come out and speak to the media and he did and I think Chris wrote a piece about how he would always have respect for him for that. So I hope he, you know, he's, he's taken some time to go away, sort of learn his craft a bit more, he was sort of thrust into it at yeah. Argyle. Probably didn't really have much of a choice, thought it was a good idea at the time, Learned a lot, has gone to Bournemouth, had a few roles there, most recently loan manager, and now he's ready to take it on again, and I hope he does well, apart from on Tuesday. Tuesday night. <laughs> uh,
2: no, it, it, it is nice to see him back. Um, again, uh, he, he, done, he done well at Argyle, and I think that uh, I think Jack's right, he did probably take over at the worst possible time Um, I think the club needed really experience at that moment but really there wasn't a lot of options at that time and I think that he was given the opportunity and quite rightly he took it. I mean it would have been a miracle if he would made a success of it with the way things were at that particular time and I do think that he can go away and think well there wasn't really much he could do about the situation Um, and hopefully. You know he's gone. He's gone to a few places in Bournemouth, and hopefully he's learnt quite a few things. Um, you know I wish him all the all the luck in the world uh, at Leyton Orient. It's it's a nice little club, um, and uh, you know like Jack just said, you know apart from Tuesday, and you know I, I hope all goes well for him. And Ryan Lowe's comments were quite interesting. That he
1: made the point that Carl Fletcher was put on a decent wage at Bournemouth. He could have quite happily sat there, no pressure on his role. And earned a decent amount, but he's he's obviously got the fire in his belly to have another go at management, mm. and he's he's left that sort of comfort of a Premier League Bournemouth side and gone to to fight hard with Leighton or in League yeah. One. I think he two, was sorry. player manager at
0: the time as well, wasn't he? Which is he's which yeah. a. Doubly hard role. You
1: know, and, and you're not getting paid as well. Yeah. And, and if it's, you know, no matter what industry you're in, if you go and start a new job, you've got to learn and, and to try and learn that when you're not getting paid and when you're also trying to play and when you've not done it before. And, you know, and we should mention Roman Lario was, was, was a big part of that as well. So, yeah, I, think, I don't think there'll be any Argyle fans that don't wish him well after Tuesday.
2: Yeah, and no, I mean, just one brief thing about um, manager, player managers. Don't ever be a player manager. <laughs> don't ever it's, out there in the world. Don't be a player manager. You are absolutely in for a hiding. So just either be a player or quit playing <laughs> and be a manager. Don't do both. So. Were you ever close, Danny? What to be in a player manager? Well, funny enough, you were a player coach at Torquay, weren't you? Yeah, I was, and um, I remember when Paul Compton was having a bad time, and there was a bit of a problem with uh, Justin Fashion. You um, and Mike Bateson uh, came to me and said. Um, you know, I've got to get rid of Paul Compton. Um, he, you know, he, said, he asked me if I would be um, player-manager. And I, and I probably naively said that I didn't think it was a good idea. I said, I'd love to be a manager. I said, I wouldn't want to be a player-manager back then. And I said, also, I said, Justin You has been a problem for Paul Compton. Now he's gone, Paul Compton may do a better job maybe you should just give him another month or so just to see how he does without the, the sort of millstone around his neck, which was Justin you. Um, and, and that particular episode of my life and that isn't ready for my book um, <laughs> because a lot of things happened there that wasn't p- particularly nice. Um, and I saw how certain people were, you know, a way of backstabbing going on. Um, and I should have probably just said yeah I'm happy to take it you sack him I'm there for you and I would have been manager and had it on my CV and probably would have gone into management quite easily then but I felt that at that time I thought I needed to learn the game I knew the football and I knew coaching but I didn't know management and I wanted to take it one step at a time which was a big mistake because you don't get the opportunities come to you that often so that was a big mistake that I made but I was trying to be honest and I probably saved Paul Compton at least one month but he, got, <laughs> he got sacked after that anyway <laughs> so it didn't really matter and you know then I think uh, Paul Compton brought in um, Neil Warnock to help oh, yeah. him and and you know Neil Warnock came and sort of made his CV a little bit better and uh, then went off to bigger and better things so <laughs> but uh yeah, I had the opportunity there, but after that, it was uh, um, time to sort of quit football for a while. And then, when you try to get back into football, it's almost impossible. So, um, that, you know, that was it.
0: Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. Fascinating stuff there. Certainly towards the end of the uh, the first half, Danny. It's great to hear your little anecdote there from your time at Torquay. Talking of Devon clubs, it's the Devon derby on Saturday. Jack is rubbing his hands and very excited already. Although you're wearing red today, Jack.
1: <laughs> very, very, very uh, I point you you, you stumped me. I not know what to say to that I, I, could, I should have just come out and denied it No one would have, would have known that I, am wearing no, no, saying, I need to make sure I don't wear this shirt on Saturday That's a very good point um, Yeah, I can't wait yeah, As you know, I've been going on about it for ages So uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. well Dave Sell he, uh, he says he wants to spice
1: up the podcast Can't
0: think why um, <laughs> Do you think the City game on Saturday is pivotal a win and Argyle are all but back up into the top six lose and it's like snakes and ladders Argyle are back trying to close the gap albeit it's still early in the season
1: well it depends very much I think on what happens tomorrow night you know Argyle coming off the back of a 2-0 win if they beat Leighton Orion, that's great to have two wins going to the Devon Derby Exeter obviously just lost 4-0 I think their first second defeat of the season they're away to who are they playing? Scunthorpe Scunthorpe on Tuesday if they, if they just say they lose that game the two teams are going into the despite the league positioning in very different styles so there's a lot dependent on tomorrow night but there's no doubting that for the fans at least and Danny can talk in a minute about how players might see it but for the fans at least it's a big game you know I'm quite glad there's been a little gap because I I sort of feel my first ever Devon Derby was the Johnson Pink Trophy back in 2009-ish and there were police dogs on the pitch and annoyingly Exeter scored a last minute winner but it was still to this day my best Devon Derby because of the atmosphere um, and when you play regularly, and you might find this in your career, Danny, in, in derbies, they seem to get watered down somewhat. Yeah. So I'm quite glad there's been a, a two year spell now, and I'm hoping there'll be a fantastic atmosphere. And it goes without saying, like, I hope Argyle win. But you know, it, it, there's a lot of bragging rights to be had for fans, and we know what social media is like. It's gonna be it's gonna be a minefield this week and the start of next week, I'm sure.
0: Well, there's certainly a lot of interest in the game. I don't remember a Devon derby selling out two three weeks in advance of the game. So um, obviously, there's a lot of interest from. Both ends of Devon. Richard Sloman. Let's get Tuesday out of the way first. But yes, next Saturday could be crucial, particularly if it's a heavy defeat either way. He says, if <laughs> our goal lose, he will walk down Royal Parade naked. So there's no pressure. lads. <laughs> <laughs> we can't lose
1: now. That's for sure.
2: No, it's not complicated. Believe me, players generally will not be looking at oh, if we got three points here in the position, they'll be wanting to be their local rivals purely because it's their local rivals and the supporters are desperate. And and back in years ago, it was probably a little bit more volatile than it is now because I think there's too many players that have not been at a a club long enough. Um, You know, we used to be clubs at three, four, five years and you had an affinity with that club and the supporters. Now, I still think you've got that rivalry. It, It isn't as intense, but with the supporters, it is. Um, but I think the players will be reminded. I hope they will be reminded how big this game is for them. Um, and I think that the Ryan Lowe has got to have that sort of mentality inside the players when he talks to them before the game, because I think it's very, very important for the supporters. So I think it's got to be very important for the players. And I think uh, that's the one thing that I would be um, be drumming into the players before they go out on that game.
1: And it's interesting because obviously I'm covering for Chris this week, so I'll be in the press conference with Ryan Lowe. I'm quite excited to see his take on it. As someone that's quite openly a Liverpool fan, he knows what it's about to have a close rivalry. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to get his take on it. I'm sure, you know, some managers will come out and say, it's just three points, it doesn't really matter. But I'm sure, I'm almost confident that Ryan Lowe will be like, no, this really does matter. And I'm sure he'll see it from a fan's perspective. So I'm well, looking forward to speaking to him on Thursday.
0: He, he was um, asked at the Argyle Fans Trust, wasn't he, recently, at the, the open evening they had about Exeter. And, you know, he said that he, he couldn't care about Exeter, although he did add after that or before that that, our are going to win. Yeah. So well, it, 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 it's a big call cool for a manager to come out and say something like that, especially when it's now when it's now out in the public domain.
2: No, it, it, it is important. I mean, it, it's in the supporters, the supporters, it, you know, wait waiting for this game for a long time, mm. and you know, it is a massive thing. I mean, I remember the days when I played against for Millwall against Wimbledon and Millwall against West Ham. Um, I mean, it was ferocious. Uh, just walking stupidly I walked from my house which was only 15 minutes away I thought I'd take a stroll with my family to West Ham you know worst thing I could have done I mean I mean, it's, it's lucky that I didn't get recognised because there was mobs of people having fights in the road there was police forces and on the safest place to be was on the pitch you know and it was so volatile we actually won 2-1 uh, Millwall beat West Ham and, and, but there were fights and there were stabbings and there was all sorts going on but inside the stadium was electric, Um, and and that's what you want. You don't want the violence, obviously, but you want that drive and that passion that the supporters bring to a game, and hopefully the supporters respond to it. And you know, I'm not saying that the players have got a duty, but they should realise, even the ones that are not understanding of the way derbies are, that this is a massive game for everybody. Um, Irrelevant of what happens afterwards with the points and everything else, this is where you have to win the game and you have to win it with passion and you have to win it with drive and you've got to make sure you give the supporters everything that they want and also there's something to be said for winning on your opposition's
1: pitch as well, well you know, it's one thing to win at home but if you can win away yeah. there's no, as a fan and I'm sure as a player manager there's no better feeling
0: yeah. mm. Well, it, it's interesting I was watching the Man United Liverpool game yesterday and a couple of my closest friends are Liverpool fans and uh, before the game there's a, a picture of um, Fabinho from Liverpool and Andreas Pereira from United hugging in the tunnel And I texted my mate and I said If I was playing for United and you were playing for Liverpool There's no way I'd be giving you a hug for the game I just think it sends out completely the wrong
2: Absolutely, I'll tell you We, we were in the tunnel with the Wimbledon crazy gang Just before the game And there was a massive fight before the game started Because we were all sitting there And John Fashione was winding Tony Castellino up And he was winding him up to a frenzy Just like the Keane Vieira for the United, it was worse than that. And then literally, Tony Cascogne had enough, and it was like one of those canopies. Well, it was all over the place. There was fighting, (laughs) and and this is before kickoff. Well, as you know, we we got out on a pitch, and there was not a lot of football played. There was a lot of kicking going on. Uh, It ended up in a nil-nil draw, but it was absolutely volatile. And that's what happens. You know, the passions... Uh, You can't go around hugging the opposition before a derby or any game, any big game. Um, I'm sorry, but you can wait for after the game, you can go in the bar, I understand the Europeans are a little bit different or the other, it doesn't happen here, and I would never, ever encourage players to be friendly before any sort of derby. We don't want to see Joel Grant hugging at Not a chance, with. not <laughs> a chance. I mean, you want, to, you want to wait for that later on when you've, when you've won the game and say, thanks very much, see you later. Yeah. You know? In terms of preparation
0: and, and a, a player preparing for a derby, Danny, is it much different to a normal game?
2: No, the preparation isn't. Physically, the preparation is exactly the same. Mentally, no, I Mentally I it's, it's on... totally different. You know, you you've you wind yourself up to a frenzy at times, but then you've got to calm that down up to a point. But you, your whole mentality, it, I, for whatever reason, you're in everything about that game, you give another 10%, 15%. You, we always give whatever we can anyway. But honestly, derbies are very, very different. And when you're out there, you can just feel the tension from the fans and that spreads to the footballers. On the field, so it, mentally you have to be very prepared for that because there's no letting up in Darvis. If you really mean it, there's no letting up. It, it's it's blood and guts from from the, the whistle. As soon as the whistle blows, that first tackle that you make guaranteed, the first tackle you make. You want to make sure you leave your mark, and that's what it's all about. And and
1: you know, you I'll be shocked if any League Two player they're not going to be playing in a load of FA Cup finals. They're not going to be playing in a load of Premier League deciders. No. This, they can't get themselves up for a game like this and they probably shouldn't be playing football with, yeah. in my view
0: from, from your point of view as well Danny um, were there games that you looked forward to or, or the, the sort of fear of failure was almost
2: unbearable no no me personally I love big games I, I always have I mean you know I, I, obviously people probably don't remember me playing a lot because there's a lot of young supporters out there but um, I always seem to do very well in big games um, and I look forward to them like no other. And when you, when you used to look at the start of the season, the, uh, the fixtures, you always looked at the, the derbies, you always looked at the local the local games, and, and obviously when you're at Millwall in top flight, you, you've got a lot of them. You've got the Arsenal, you've got the Tottenham, you've got mm-hmm. the West Ham, you've got the Wimbledon at the time. You know, there's a lot of London matches to be played, so there's not a lot of travelling to be done, and the supporters are going to be there in numbers, um, and it was the greatest thing you can do. And Jack's right. There, there is a, not many games that are going to mean as much as Derby's because it's not an FA Cup final. It's not a, you know, these big games that these top teams have on a regular basis. But even the Liverpool's look forward to playing Man United. And what about as
1: a player? What's the impact like after a game? If you win or if you lose, can that have a? Can that have a like? Can that hang around that feeling, of either euphoria or, or huge
2: despair? Straight after, it is really bad if you lose. I mean, you, 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 you go home, you go home, whatever, whenever you lose, I, I could never talk to people much. I used to go and do my bit after the game, but when I got home and, and Sunday, I just stayed at home. I didn't do anything. Um, but the difference when you win, uh, you just can't wait to get back to the training field on a Monday morning Get the applaudits, read the newspapers, and really, so it's just the bragging rights of it all. Uh, it does make a massive difference to a player. And if you've got two or three derby matches and two local teams, even if it was Torquay and Exeter, you know, although Exeter, like Torquay, and Plymouth is not the biggest game in the world, but it's still a derby. Um, but yes, it, it, it was, it was, it was down when when you lose, but it's euphoria when you win.
0: Yeah. Looking ahead to the game on Saturday, then how? how crucial do you think the preparation is going to be because you look at the two teams this week Argyle have had back to back home games Exeter have had to go away to Cambridge and away at Scunthorpe on Tuesday which is a thousand miles of travelling before they then go into a one o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon is that going to have any benefit for Argyle do you think
2: I, I, I do think that Argyle winning Saturday I think it's very very important that if it was me I would look at the game realistically we weren't great And there were problems in that game, but we managed to win the game and we did what we had to do. Um, Tactically, and the players that he decides to play against Leighton Orient, I think is going to be very important. I really do. I think that he needs to um, get what he really feels is his best side out there, as best he can. And forget the game Saturday now, go training, have a look at the players... If Danny Mays fit and rearing to go, he's got to be included as far as I'm concerned in the mix. And he's also got to look at the areas at the back. Can he bring in players that are going to do better against better players? Because if if, if Carlisle were better, I think we would have conceded goals on, on Saturday. And I think he has to look at that. It's OK saying, oh, we won, so don't mess around with it. But there were problems there that, you know, you think, oh, if that pass was a little bit better or that run was a little bit better or, you know, they could actually the the way they built up and they had those little gaps and they didn't take advantage of them it could have been a different story you know and that's what I was looking at not the end result and I think that that's what uh, Ryan Lowe should uh, be looking at from
1: an outsider's point of view in terms of Exeter what I would say is I would imagine that it'd be quite vital if Argyle if could get an early goal yeah. Exeter don't seem to score many goals and they don't seem to concede many either. Saturday being an exception so I do wonder if Argyle can get an early goal and sort of the crowd turn the home crowd against them whether or not that'll then put some fear into them and that'll benefit Argyle whereas the longer it goes on I wonder if it'll be in Exeter's favour more so I think an early goal would certainly calm some nerves
0: Well that's why I'm interested about the fitness aspects as I say Exeter have got a thousand miles of travelling to do in, in the build-up to the derby as well from a player's point of view how difficult is, is
2: it? Is that It to... is difficult and also you know a, a defeat like 4-0 doesn't help if people might think oh you know that might wake them up to play better or to remind them that this league is not easy but when you come back after a 4-0 defeat if Argyle were to score early and all that travelling you get tired mind you get tired bodies so you know I would go all out to try and score early if I was Argyle and try and take advantage of that and when when I've done a lot of travelling um, you you do have a little bit of time to recover up to a point but it is it does it does affect you. Sitting on a coach or travelling long distances, um, your your body and your mind really go to sleep, um, and and it, it isn't easy. But you know, at the end of the day, you know you, they're professional players and they should overcome that. But I think you know Plymouth Argyle have got, got an opportunity here. You know, if they can get three points against Leighton Orient, um, and and Exeter, you know, might not maybe not do so well, or you know they've lost that four 0 on Saturday, um, there might be a few doubts in their mind. Yeah.
1: I'd certainly rather be the team that play two home games rather than a 1,000 miles, yeah. that's for it's sure.
2: Not, it won't be easy for Exeter but you know, they're a good side, you know, they're not second for nothing you know, so our, it's not going to be easy for Argyle um, you know, I mean, and I think uh, Exeter will start favourites, of course, um, but you know, you know, you've got to look positive, if you're an Argyle fan and an Argyle uh, manager you've got to be looking at the positives rather than uh, the negatives.
0: Well, They've got a, a former Exeter player of course in really good form right now Joel Grant, four goals in four games. Um, I imagine he'll get a fair bit of stick this weekend wouldn't
1: he must. Be, I bet he's looking forward to it, though. Surely, he he'll be seems looking forward to the it. The stuff he
0: puts out on Instagram suggests that he just loves that sort of
1: attention. I mean, he's put uh, earlier in the season. He put out he put out an interesting Instagram story of I think it was Argyle fans queuing up for tickets. Said, "Oh, this is what it's like to be at a real club." <laughs> uh, and and this week he's he's posted a picture of his his, his little son ch- chanting for Argyle, saying "Ready for the game on Saturday." So you know, it, the extra fans are surely going to follow him. But for me, that's all part and parcel. If an extra player did that. Why shouldn't they do that? Even if he's a former Argyle player, it's all part of the fun and games. He's in, he's in great form. And we, we said in the podcast last week, the best way for him to stay in the team over the more when they get back is to carry on scoring goals. And he's done that. And one of the criticisms I've had of an Argyle team under Ryan Lowe, and I mentioned it to you on Saturday, Danny, and I mentioned it on the podcast before, is they seem to pass and then they're very static. Joel Grant's goals have come when he's passed and he's made a run and, and it's been picked up and he slots the ball home. That's what he needs to keep doing because it's working well at the moment. And I'm sure if he can score, if he scores on Saturday, I'll be fascinated to see whether he goes and celebrates in front of the Argyle fans, whether he runs in front of the the, the Exeter fans. There's surely going to be a story to tell there, and also I'd be shocked if it wasn't him put up for the press on Thursday. So it'll be interesting to speak to him. I I, I really can't wait. That being said, on Saturday night. I may not. I may dread the podcast next week. So, <laughs> so we'll wait and see. Chaps, getting very excited here, <laughs> bro. So I just be. want to let you know. He's John, sweating.
2: He's got a sweat on his brow with, with his red top on.
1: The <laughs> Joel Grant must be looking forward to it. Surely, it's one of these games that gets the adrenaline pumping. Yeah, I'm sure he is. <laughs> right. Well, we'll leave it at that then, chaps. Danny, thank you ever so much
0: for coming My in. Pleasure. It's uh, always a pleasure to see you. Thank and you. we wish you all the very best with your return to Thailand. Thank of course, you so. anytime you're over, please come on the podcast, Jack. Don't go overboard on Saturday, will you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm working
1: tomorrow night first. So I'll be, I'll be live-blogging the Lays-Noreen yeah, game. True. so uh, hopefully we'll meet two wins from two, and no, I can't wait to be a fan. I've not been a fan at Devon Derby for a long time, so I am looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, well, we'll be back with more of the same next week, so thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at heraldpafc.com or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.